You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in to the first episode of the AP Draft Room podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We are talking Chiefs offseason, Chiefs draft on this show, and I'm going to be emceeing it for you. I'm going to be the MC of your Chiefs offseason as we go through, get ready for the, the April draft in Kansas City, and that's why it's such an exciting time, such a big deal. I'm Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst at arrowheadpride.com. I'm taking over your Friday mornings, uh, you know, finally the the, the you know your favorite podcast on Friday mornings this is it this is it right here and you know I, I say MC because we're gonna it's, it's gonna be an interesting kind of show for you for this offseason I'm gonna be kind of rotating guys in you know getting new voices in getting you know different perspectives we'll have some guests on from uh, from you know other team perspectives uh, you know just maybe you know, national draft coverage we're gonna have a good time on this show but I, I figured it was good the best way to start it off the best way to get this show going you know, just really, you know, talk Chiefs offseason, talk the big picture of it. it. Was a talk with one of the guys that has really quickly become one of my favorite people to talk football with, talk Chiefs football with. Film analyst at the site, Caleb James, at CJ Scoobs on Twitter. Caleb, man, you're, you're helping me kick off what's going to be a fun show for the people this offseason. How are you feeling tonight? Dude, I'm ecstatic. I'm so ready to get this going, man. We just got off of the ride of a lifetime with the Super Bowl team. And now Sorry. we are headed into the spring where it's going to be a giant party in Kansas City. All eyes are going to be on the city. And, dude, I tell you what, this is like the most exciting time there's ever been. I think you're coming off of a championship. They're hosting the draft. Who knows? There could be a million people on that lawn on that <laughs> Thursday night when the commissioner walks out there on stage. So, you know, we I think we're fortunate and blessed to be out here right now, you know, being able to talk about it. But this is cool. This is like the coolest. I think this is the coolest thing ever, to be honest. I, I love it. I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to make a manual, say coolest thing ever, make a, you know, engrave it in stone, put it on my wall behind here. If, if anyone can see, I got a little office behind here. Caleb said it. It is going to be the coolest thing ever. But, uh, you know, for most people, uh, if, if you're not familiar on the YouTube show, you know, Caleb joins me and, and also Nate Christian is one of our other great film analysts. Uh, we do break down the film on the YouTube show. And we actually did this week break down the offensive tackles, kind of got the draft going in that way. So if you're listening to this, hey, I don't mind if you want to pause real quick. Go watch that video before you continue. Uh, we did a really good job breaking down six offensive tackle prospects. Some of the guys kind of towards the top of the class. That's what we're going to do on this. We're, we're, we, we love the draft, man. I, it's something that really was honestly the first thing I really did get into in terms of writing, in terms of blogging. Um, it's kind of how I first got going in, 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 the, uh, in the content sphere, as, as, as a word I just made up, the content sphere. Uh, I love the NFL draft. I think it was the, it was the 2018 draft, the year after we drafted Mahomes, when I really did dig into it, started blogging myself. Um, and, and ever since then, I don't know, you know, I've, I've kind of, you know, been, been at Arrowhead Pride a few years. You know, we had a great draft coverage that, you know, I kind of went away from the draft a little bit. But it feels really good to be back into it, kind of have no excuses, but to just get it, be a nerd into it, dig into it. Caleb, how did you kind of first get into the draft? Uh, you know, what was your kind of first experiences and, and how much do you love the draft? You know, man, I think just growing up and always enjoying football, you know, you kind of always look forward to that one point in the spring where they are showing some form of football on TV, and that is the draft. And to be honest with you, man, we kind of grew up in this era where it's not just, you know, the commissioners reading names every five minutes. They've turned it into this whole full-blown spectacle like right. we see here this spring. But I mean, I just I remember being like in high school and stuff and I started seeing like these things where you could like make your own mock draft. And I always thought that was really cool. And if you guys remember, there was a guard that played for the Chiefs named uh, Zach Fulton. 
he's a big guy, but I always oh, yeah. mocked him to the Chiefs just because I kind of thought it was cool. I just thought he was like a big guard. The Chiefs ended up drafting him. I don't even remember what year that was, like 2015, 2014, sometime in there. But I've always been a fan of the draft. It's where you build your team at. I know it doesn't always interest a lot of people because there's it's more show now than anything. But really, it's where you're finding, you know, your core foundation. It's where you're finding your next superstars, you know, and really it's how teams have to build in the NFL. Yeah, man. No, one of my first I one of my first draft crushes. I remember I it was one of my first blogs I ever wrote was about Rocky Sin, the temple cornerback. Uh, you know, I think he was he was drafted by the Colts, played with the Raiders uh, as, as of recently. So we've seen him. You know, I I I, I loved him. Thought he was going to be a stud corner. He's he's been all right in the league. He hasn't been too bad. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned Zach Fulton. Is there any other all time favorite draft prospects? I'm trying to think. I had Chauncey Gardner Johnson by as my number one safety that year. I will say, shout out, uh, Colin Saunders. I will say was one of my guys that, before the draft. I had about five or six guys that were my guys that year. It was Colin Saunders. I don't know any all time favorite prospects or any uh, any good ones stand out. So flashback to like COVID, I had a lot of free time. I was just graduating from college at the time. I had quite a bit of time on my hands and it was like that summer. And for whatever reason, the website I was at at the time, I decided I was going to do a whole bunch of stuff on the draft. And one of the guys I came across was Trey Smith. And I think it was like June of 2020, the first time I posted a film clip to Twitter of Trey Smith. And then I kind of like I wrote about him a little bit and I kind of lost sight of it because I figured he would go, you know, in the top 30 picks, you know, uh, fast forward to that spring. I'm at a friend's house. We're not even watching the draft. It's like day three. We're not right. even the draft. We're really I mean, we're just kicking it. It was like 75 degrees outside. COVID was kind of wrapping up at that point. So we were chilling. We were kicking it. And all of a sudden, I just get the notification on my phone. It goes, Chiefs have drafted Trey Smith. And I was like the only person in the room that knew who that was. And I was just like, this is going to be a guy that starts for the Chiefs at some point. So I thought that was pretty cool. But like in the same draft class, on the exact other hand, I was kind of disappointed for whatever dumb reason they drafted Creed Humphrey because I had him as my third center on the board. So I was (laughs) glad I was pretty wrong about that one now. Oh man. Yeah. That's not too bad. Third center on the board. You know, that's, that's, that's still, you know, you got, he was a second round pick. It's not too bad. I'll, I'll tell you one of my all time whiffs and uh, you know, shout out one of my, uh, one of my boys uh, back in the day, Zach reader. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we did a, a, a draft podcast together. One of my first drafts covering and boy, I had a quite the take. Uh, he was a big Justin Jefferson fan going into it. You know, I, I was not a huge Justin Jefferson guy. I kind of maybe pointed to the offense he played in. Maybe his production was kind of maybe, you know, uh, red flags, false, you know, maybe a false, uh, uh, you know, false gold or whatever, fool's gold, I should say. And uh, I even went as far as to say that Jalen Rager uh, would be a better player than Justin Jefferson. We actually like said it on the pod. Like I, like I debated it with him and said, no, Jalen Rager is going to be a better. I don't. I, I should stop saying it because it, it just makes me look terrible. It's embarrassing. But hey, we live and we learn, people. It's okay. The Jalen Rager, I don't think, is even in the NFL anymore. Uh, I, I guess he was, but he was terrible last year. And Justin Jefferson is like the best receiver in the NFL. So uh, we live and we learn, don't we, Caleb? Yeah. I don't know. Did uh, I don't know? Do you remember that draft? Were you a big Justin Jefferson guy? Because I mean, I, I do think he was kind of one of those guys that. I, I do think kind of surprised some people. I don't know if you remember any. I always, I always for whatever reason, because maybe it's because the Chiefs have never had like an elite tall receiver. Like, I guess we got MVS now. I've always been fascinated by those receivers. It kind of got some length and height to them just because I feel like that's the thing that Andy Reid's always. And I'm not talking like just high, height like Chris Conley. I'm talking like that fluid, like go up and get the ball kind of stuff. So I was always kind of enamored by Justin Jefferson. I don't know if I envisioned him becoming what he is now, but yeah, I mean, I, I still, I still kind of wish the Chiefs would go after a guy with some height like that, you know, some stretch that can go up and you know high point the ball at the apex like that. You say that uh, that might be a little bit of foreshadowing into the later parts of the show, uh, which we will get into now. I will say real quick, you know, we'll just talk Chiefs offseason overall, kind of get into you know, uh, some of, you know, kind of the, the weeds of their draft, you know, what to kind of think about their draft picks, but also name some prospects towards the end, which I'm excited about. I think the one thing about this show I want to make sure we do consistently, and I hope the people enjoy, 
is we want to talk prospects, guys. That's the best part about this. We want to talk. We want you to know about all the prospects that could be Chiefs in April. And and so we're going to get to that more towards the, the later half of the show. But, Kale, let's dive in a little bit. Uh, I actually wrote an article this week for the site. Um, and, and the entire staff actually did a great job um, doing some individual articles on, on the offseason previews for positions. You hit the offensive tackle position, um, and, and I hit the defensive tackle position. But I also just did a, a top five offseason needs, uh, you know, positions that kind of and, and kind of went one through five on what I think are the, the number one through five uh, needs this offseason right, as of right now, before free agency, before we really know what they're going to do. And so I just kind of want to get your take on, on on what I put down. So first of all, I went I went number one offensive tackle, and and so it, it sounds weird I think um, to some people, but as of right now, you don't have either your starting tackles, and you don't have a solid solution for either of them if you're not considering the guys that obviously could be resigned. So that's why you know naturally it's number one receiver is number two, defensive line is number three, safety is number four, and then I put a pass down running back at number five. But first of all, I want to start at the top. I don't know. Do you agree with me, first of all, that you can consider offensive tackle the number one need? And second of all, I just kind of want your take on, I don't, I don't know, what do you think they should do? Should they just bring back Orlando Brown Jr.? Should they sign him long term? I know it's a big, a big discussion, but we can just kind of go through it here. I do think it is their number one offseason need. I touched on okay. that in my article a little bit this week. The amount of people that are like, you can move on and let both of these guys go and be okay. The amount of people I've seen with that take has been astonishing because as we touched on yesterday in the film room, this tackle class isn't overall that deep. And it especially doesn't help that Orlando Brown is actually the headliner of this entire free agency period for the most part for offensive tackles. Mm -hmm. So they find themselves in this situation where, they're going to have to, you know, make a decision on what they want to do. And I think they're going to end up franchise franchise tagging Orlando Brown. Dude, to me, it's just too much of a gamble for them to like let him walk and just say, well, we can fill this with a rookie or we can find some other cheaper option. And let's be honest, there's not really going to be a cheaper option for Patrick Mahomes. These players, you know, their agents know when you're negotiating a contract with the Chiefs to protect Mahomes, the Chiefs may pay are going to end up having to pay a little bit more than they would if you're going to go protect someone else. And, you know, that may be just because of the name Patrick Mahomes, you know, even though they know he scrambles a lot, he does create a lot of things, but that's just kind of the price you pay. So let's see. I mean, and with Wiley, he might be pricing. He might have priced himself out of being in Kansas City. Really with him, my big thing is like people are like acting like he's this – He's I don't know, Chiefs fans have gone from acting like Andrew Wiley – is the worst football player ever to I'm reading the comments on the website and people are acting like we can't possibly ever let him go or live without him. Like we <laughs> haven't seen Andy. Re- Andy Reed is really good at masking his offensive line when he needs to. We don't necessarily want him to do that, but he can. And I, you know, just from that standpoint, I think they're going to use the tag again on Brown. If they let Wiley walk, they've got a couple in-house options, you know, Lucas Niang. I still yeah. think they're going to draft a tackle with one of their top hundred picks. I think, this is honestly the prospects we kind of looked through last night. You know, Darnell Wright, Cody Mock, Dewan Jones, Jalen Duncan, and, uh, you know, Anton Harrison. Those guys are going to be in that, you know, 30 to 100 range, you know, the 31 to 95 range where they're going to be selecting that. I think all those guys could be in play. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind, even if they do, you know, bring back Wiley and Brown, go ahead and just keep drafting guys, build that depth. Yeah, I think. Your, your overall point is correct. Yeah, I mean, they're going to franchise tag Brown pretty much no matter what because, you know, you're not going to let him just walk. But I do think I do think when it comes down to it, they're probably going to offer him a deal. And I feel like there's motivation for him to just take the deal that they give him and, and and uh, you know, just kind of, you know, take the long-term deal and, and be in Kansas City. I think last year he pushed the envelope a little bit knowing, hey, they're not going to actually go into week one without me at left tackle. Like, I can kind of push this. I can kind of see if I can really force their hand. I don't think that same pressure is on this year. I think there is a possibility they could they could just trade him if, if he really does want to hold out. So I do think I, I, th- I think you see Brown get a long term deal done. And and yeah, Wiley, you know, either way, even if he is back, like you mentioned, I do think you should draft, uh, you know, a right tackle option pretty early. So I like that receiver at number two, though. I don't know if you disagree with me here, um, because. You know, receiver is one of those things we kind of maybe learned this season that it's it may not be as important uh, in the Patrick Mahomes offense as long as the offensive line and Mahomes is healthy. But um, 
first of all, what do you think about the receiver position as it stands? Are you trying to resign Juju or McColl uh, Hardman at all? And and are you making any other shakeups? Just what's your uh, look at at the receiver position? You know, for a wide receiver, it's interesting. I think that we've almost seen McColl be replaced before our very eyes. They traded the third round pick for Kadarius Tony. They've got kind of Sky Moore and waiting also. Yeah. They, I know neither of those guys have like that blazing breakaway speed that McColl has, and that's obviously something that the Chiefs value. But at the end of the day, you know, I could see McColl maybe coming back on like a one-year prove-it deal, something like that. But I really think they're confident with Tony and Sky moving forward. And as far as Juju goes, he's been a reliable option. The only thing that I think concerns a lot of people is the health. He's never really been the most healthy. He takes a lot of big hits the way he plays. I think that may make them hesitant, but I do think that kind of with the relationship that he has with the Chiefs and some of those other things, I think it's possible he could be a guy that takes more of a team-friendly deal. But, you know, like we saw last offseason, they didn't break the bank for Tyree Kill. They're not going to do it for anybody. But I I would almost disagree a little bit with the ranking you had them in. I think these are important. I think it's important that they do these things, but really down the line, they did find the production from MVS in the AFC Championship game, even when Travis Kelsey was hurt. You know, they did find the production late in the game from Juju there. You know, they have all these different guys. They can do a lot of different things. I think edge is still more important, though. The Super Bowl, the edge rushers, they didn't do anything all game long. The defensive line, and I know it's a great offensive line they have in Philadelphia, but maybe that's just the last thing I remember of the defense for the season. But to me, it's just been a culminating issue in a lot of games that they've lost in the past. They just can't get home on the pass rush, no matter what kind of their sack numbers are. I think they got to kind of figure out that defensive line before they go into wide receivers. No, that's fair. That is that is completely fair because I think there's an argument to be made that especially when you have an elite quarterback, you know, receiver isn't as important as some of these other, you know, very important primary positions like pass rushing, like pass protection, like, you know, maybe a, like a shutdown cornerback you could say could even be potentially more important than receiver. I will say I think the reason I put it as a as a as a more of a need this offseason over defensive line, which is what we'll get into next is my number three is I do think they are they do need to make one solid move at that at that position right I don't think they can just kind of you know maybe add like a a low-key veteran or something then call it good going into next season I do think they either need to make a splash move in terms of either trading or free agency because the free agency class is not very good so my my point being I think they're going to probably have to just draft someone that's pretty substantially high whether it's top 50 top 60 and there's a nice little run of receivers, uh, which we'll, we'll probably get into here in a little bit. Late day one, early day two, obviously, where they're, they're drafting in the first round. But they could even get a little deeper, too. Um, but I, I do think they need to make a significant you know, pick at that position. And I do think, compared to defensive line, where you look at where the defensive line is right now at its current form with who's on the roster, which includes Frank Clark, which this is what I want to ask you about, I do think you can kind of say it's in a better position maybe uh, than receiver if the receiver position does not make that one big move. But I do think defensive line is probably more important. But again, if Frank Clark, what do we do with Frank Clark? Because he is owed a lot, a lot of money, excuse me. And he kind of proved that he, you know, he should be around, but just not at that number. I don't think anyone can stomach that number for what he does. So I don't know. Is it just as easy as saying, oh, cut him and bring him back on a, a smaller deal? He'll take that, right? I don't know. What are your What's your take on kind of what they need to do at the defensive line position? Man, playoff Frank is – he is one of the all-time characters in the history of Kansas City sports. <laughs> Character, yes. That's a good he word. He is one of the – and he's one of the all-time performers in the big game. But to be honest, they do need to start thinking about if they're going to move on from him. I, I think the only way he would come back would be for significantly less money. I know he I know this past season he did a lot of the things you like, you know, teaching the young guys. But to me, also just kind of that health factor in there. I don't think, you know, with his age being 30, him not always being the most healthy with his stomach issues and just with him like losing the weight. Eventually, some of that power is going to go also some of that natural power. And with him as lean as he is without that much bend, you know, you kind of are starting to look at a guy that he's probably on his last legs as an NFL player. I'd, I'm not confident really in him moving forward as far as his performance. So I think if they move on from him, that'd be okay. I, I'd almost be more okay with bringing back like Carlos Dunlap than Frank Clark on a cheaper deal at this point. I think Dunlap yeah. is overall the better player. 
between them. And I really think that he can still provide that veteran leadership that you need. Now it's tough because obviously Frank makes the big plays and the big moments, but just when you're looking at the overall, you know, grand scheme of thing and the big picture, it's a tough move, but it's a move that I think the chiefs are going to have to make. And to be honest, when I'm looking at the D line, I would just, I wouldn't make the one big splash move, but add little pieces here and there, you know, make, you know, build depth through the draft. There's a couple guys in free agency. I kind of kept an eye on also oh, yeah. the opposed to them maybe going and taking a crack at. Yes. No, I'm glad you brought that up because as, as the one that wrote up the defensive tackle, um, uh, you know, uh, off season article, and I know we're talking about edge and defensive tackle, but I do think, you know, with the edge position kind of where it is, I do think you'll see them draft one right to add to, uh, you know, a pretty a pretty solid group. Again, you mentioned, you know, maybe adding a Dunlap uh, slash Clark. But either way, you have a veteran to add to Karloftis, Dana. And then again, you know, hopefully like a top 60 pick. You know, I, I think that you could probably see that at the same time. I do think maybe we could see them prioritize that second primary defensive tackle to pair with Jones that can play at the same time as Jones without, you know, maybe, you know, being a, a liability against one or the other, the run or the pass, right. That's kind of what they've had to deal with, um, you know, th- this last kind of couple seasons. Although I will say, you know, th- uh, two years ago, they tried this thing with Jaron Reed, right. Where they wanted to do have an a gap player that could play on early down stuff, the run, but could also give you something as a pass rusher, whenever the pass was happening. Right. They, and it just, it was kind of a failed experiment. You know, he just wasn't very, a very impactful player. This year, obviously, they go back to just having Naughty as an early down guy or, or uh, just an early down D tackle and then come bringing in a Mike Dana or a, you know, Tershawn Wharton before he got hurt. But what if they were able to find a guy that could be that second, just all down defensive tackle that they kind of were hoping Jaron Reed was? There are guys in free agency, like you mentioned, Deron Payne, the Washington Commanders defensive tackle, although he may be franchise tagged. That's someone you may even think about trading for as a 26 year old, you know, even if he is tagged. Um, depending on if you if you want to pay um, his deal coming up. Vernon Hargrave, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, uh, Ver- did I say Vernon Hargrave? Javon Hargrave. I, I always say Vernon for some reason. Javon Hargrave, uh, age 30, but definitely a, a very disruptive defensive tackle for the Eagles. There's a, a couple other, though. Sheldon Rankins for the Jets. Uh, David Onyemata for the Saints, also a guy that that is in the free agency. So there are some guys that I think could uh, they could pair with Jones on the inside. How how important do you think that is? Or is it kind of more of a luxury to have a guy like that? I think it's almost a luxury. There's another guy I've kept an eye on, though, throughout the course of last season. He, I don't know if he's necessarily the every-down defensive tackle you want to see, but I think he, his name is Zach Allen. He plays for the Cardinals. Ooh, yes. He's kind of like a like – I think he's like 6'4", probably 275. He can play outside on rundowns. But really his best spot is like the three – or the four-eye – three technique maybe like a two eye even on the third down situation he led the league in batted passes this year um he had 14 run stuff so he had like six and a half sacks i took a look at like some contract pro- contract projections for him he's like three years like 33 million something like that he's at 11 million a year that's what i'm talking about when i say like you can get quality guys who can you know rack up these stats and also do well in certain situations that you put them in and I think this is one, you know, yeah, he's played with like some decent defensive linemen. I say decent. I mean, like the ghost of J.J. Watt. He's played with, you know, Chandler Jones down the line. But really, he had his best season this past season opposite of J.J. Watt. And, you know, J.J. Watt's on his last legs. I just want to see what he would do around maybe, you know, some of the Chiefs. And if you get him in there with a guy like Jones, a guy like, you know, if Karloff just keeps developing Dunlap, you know, and then just eventually down the line, you can kind of see how it play out. I think he's an underrated guy. It is a luxury to have, but in this division, the Chiefs play in, you know, this is the Raiders are going to be in need of a quarterback soon. Obviously, you got to get guys that can rush the passer. You know, I know Sean Payton's coming to Denver. They're going to do a lot of things, but they're still going to try to throw the ball down the field. And obviously, you got Justin Herbert. So they're going to have to figure out some guys that could rush the passer. I don't know if Zach Allen's like your prototypical defensive tackle. I think he'd just be a solid addition. Right. right. But like the way you put it, and I think you're, I, I agree with you, where he could be like a rundown or an early down defensive end and then maybe come in. That's kind of just a souped up Mike Dana, right? Like a, you know, a, a maybe just a better version of what Mike Dana has been giving you. And again, I think that's why I asked the question if it's a luxury to have that early, uh, that every down defensive tackle, because you saw this year, it worked out fine. Uh, you know, I 
you will you you want maybe a better run stuffer than Derek Naughty maybe this upcoming year. I do think that's something that I don't want them to just re-sign him. I do I would like them if they're not going to find someone in free agency, someone like Greg Gaines, the Rams uh, nose tackle. He is available if they want to go after someone like that. If not, just draft a nose tackle, uh, you know, a, a stout defensive tackle at some point in the draft. It can be later. There's guys you can find that maybe don't give you the best pass rush upside, but can can fill a hole. Um, I just would like to see someone else maybe take that spot. But let's move on to safety, which was my number four position. And this is a this is a really intriguing one. One that honestly you can make an argument depending on how important you think it is, which is what I kind of want to ask you. Um, how important you think it is to have a three safety set that the that the Chiefs can rely on. We didn't see as much dime defense this last season, but we did towards the end of the year in the playoffs. But now you're losing Juan Thornhill. He's an unrestricted free agent, and you know you can obviously touch on it. I don't think he's getting re-signed, to be honest with you. I think Brian Cook has kind of earned that right to, to, to maybe step into that role. But at the same time, Caleb, do they try to make a splash, get a big safety name, and then all of a sudden you have three pretty good safeties? What do you think about it? You know, I think it's important for what Spags does to have guys that are that versatile. I just don't know if it's really in the cards this year. I think a whole lot of the reason why they've had to play the three safeties in the past is kind of because of the deficiency at linebacker. But, you know, and I think, you know, they you can still make the argument. These are some of the things they do. But I could also see them having Legereus Sneed play kind of more as like a safety hybrid kind of more – in the role and you know he kind of does already do some of that anyway i just to me I, I agree with you i don't think thornhill is gonna be back i think brian cook has earned the right to start for the spot that being said brett veach clearly values safety he's signed two of them yeah. since he's been here he's drafted one pretty high he's drafted two safeties in the second round you know he has been all about adding guys at that position I don't. I think they'll probably draft another one. I don't really think it's in the cards for them to make a big splash, though. Guy, maybe you look into drafting. You know, maybe like second or third round guy, like Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame, if they kind of like his skill set here or there. But I don't think it's really, you know, to me, and that is kind of a luxury also to be able to have that kind of guy in the right. defense. It's important to Spags, but I think they'd rather develop a younger guy who they think can get in there and play right away, rather than you know go out and spend on this one. And I, I will say the thing with the safety class and free agency is that it's actually a pretty nice one. It's actually a pretty good class of free, of free agent safeties. A couple older veterans that maybe just one year ring chaser kind of deals that would be cool for third safety, I will say. Devin McCourty and uh, Kareem Jackson. I think both of those guys would be nice old third safety additions, kind of you know smart, high IQ guys that can kind of do a lot of everything. It'd just be kind of cool to, to see one of those guys. I, I mean, Devin McCourty doesn't need to be ring chasing, I guess. I don't know why he'd need to be going after anymore. He's got plenty of them. Uh, Kareem Jackson, though, he could he could use. Did he get one with Denver? I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, Taylor Rapp. I saw. I've seen him around. Okay. To see, I feel okay. like the guy. Maybe the Chiefs could. You know, maybe the Chiefs would value having him and his skill set. There's some guys I just don't think really with some of the other needs, it's really in the cards unless unless you know. I mean, unless Beach values it way more right. than he does already. Right. No, it's, it's just interesting because, yeah, I mean, it, it, we've seen this team really rely on three safeties, but I think you made a great point is that they've had to in the past with bad linebacker play. Now you want your linebackers on the field as much as possible, so you really don't. And the only reason we really saw so much dime at, at uh, in the playoffs was because Willie Gay was hurt that one game. Yeah. That's when Cook really had to step in. But let's get to my fifth one because this is an interesting one too. My fifth need is a veteran pass down running back. I, I really feel like that's that's important because Jarek McKinnon is technically not on the 2023 roster. All you have is Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards Elaire. But it's easy to just see McKinnon resigning and then this is all of a sudden, you know, and, and I'm fine with that. But I don't know. Do you think it, it is a need worthy of being in the top five? Is there any other need you would have put over it? Um, I don't know. What do you feel about how important is having another running back to kind of spell Pacheco? primarily as a pass down back to me. No, I think it's important. For, I mean, you see what the impact that Jarek McKinnon can make. Uh, maybe like a semi-established backup quarterback. You could argue maybe a little bit more, but then again, it's like if Mahomes goes out, you know, what are we really doing here anyway? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can see that. There's, a, I mean, 
you, I mean, I think I was talking about a little earlier. I like kind of Samarje Pirine. If they did want a guy that can block and maybe catch a little bit out of the backfield, he may be a little too high priced for them, but I do like him. But it's important. You know, Jarek McKinnon was up near the top of the leaderboards and receiving touchdowns for a reason. It's because Andy Reid found ways to get him open and he had good chemistry with Mahomes. I'm all for the Chiefs adding another running back to the mix. I think it looks pretty bleak for Clyde Edwards Elaire right now with that whole situation. And really, even if they do bring back McKinnon, just with his injury history, it's kind of miraculous the seasons he's been able to put up with them the last couple of years. And the way Pacheco runs, you know, you kind of worry about him getting banged up. You want to keep him nice and fresh for late in the season. So I'm all for it, whether they want to go out and sign someone, where they want to draft someone like in the fourth round, third round, something like that. I'm all for it. Dude, yeah, no, I I think the thing that is important to point out about the running back position, especially for agency, you mentioned a guy like uh, uh, Samaj Pirine. This running back for agency class is loaded, and it's already a position that teams are kind of scared to pay anyway. I feel like that surplus of backs could really favor the Chiefs. You could end up signing a guy like Pirine for way less than you might in in a regular offseason in a regular free agency class. Um, And so I'm all about that because Pirine is that kind of guy that, is a pass down back and definitely help you in pass protection. But uh, unlike McKinnon, he also can be a battering ram, like you've mentioned. So um, I, I love that idea, but there's so many guys out there. I feel like you could look at, I mean, Miles Sanders is a free agent uh, running back, even Boston Scott, yeah. a free agent running back. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs obviously might get paid, you know, Jamal Williams, you know, the Detroit running back, he'd be Saquon. a good pass down back. Yes. Yeah. Saquon. How about that? Let's think about that for a second. Uh, Kenyon Drake, obviously, you know, another one, Devin Singletary, the Bills running back. Um, so yeah, I, I do think there is something to that. So I'm glad you kind of, uh, thought of that, but that's the thing. Those were my top five needs. And, you know, I, I do think it is kind of hard to think of other needs outside of those positions. When you, when you kind of consider that linebacker is, is, is pretty much set. I mean, what, there's not really any wiggle room at linebacker unless you kind of maybe consider, okay, is Willie Gay actually going to be here? for the long term um, because he is entering the second to last year of his deal. And at some point or, or the last year of his deal, excuse me. And, and at some point, um, you know, you either extend him this offseason or do you, you might, you know, do you consider doing something with that in terms of uh, moving that? Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that real quick? I think with that class that Willie Gay came in with, you got to prioritize paying Legarius Sneed over him. Right. At this point. And, I don't, to be honest, I don't even think it would take that much to get Willie to come back. He basically didn't play for two years. Right. Had some, some off the field stuff that's probably, you know, would scare some other teams away from potentially giving him like a big deal. And to be honest with you, his production hasn't been like up there. So, I mean, yeah. you could easily see him coming back on a cheaper deal. I don't think it's like one of these situations where they'd have to break the bank to get him. But out of that class, I think. I think prioritizing paying Legereus Sneed would take precedent over that. But I, did, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and draft a linebacker in the first four rounds. That's what the Chiefs do. They do something unexpected Apparently. every year. So if they like someone, you know, they're, Brett Veach isn't going to hesitate to go get it. So, I, that's, but I, I, yeah, but I would say that would, that would not be a good sign for Willie Gay. I mean, if they did draft a linebacker in the top 100, let's say. Um, because Leo Chanel has shown something, and so they should feel good about having him as depth um, to develop him and potentially be behind Willie if Willie, you know, is is or you know if Willie does leave or whatever. But yeah, so linebacker and then cornerback. Obviously, they they struck gold last year, so it feels like that's set. And again, I'm with you. I think you do need to extend Legarius Need this offseason, and so then you're really looking, you know, firm at cornerback. Although that is what the one position you really can never have enough of. So again, I I justify that way more if they pick that early than the linebacker. I don't know how do you feel about that. I mean, I'm all about giving Legarius Sneed another contract. I think that you know, cornerback is one of those positions that you have to constantly you know keep getting depth at. They're not going to spend high though. We know Veach can find guys in the later rounds that can do certain things well. You know, like Jalen Watson. He's they've. You know, they're kind of getting famous for developing cornerbacks. Charvarius Ward put up a really nice season in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. So I think that kind of bodes well overall for how people view the cornerback room in Kansas City. But, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you always want to have a nice room of guys. And I think that Vich is trying to rebuild the defense from the secondary down, kind of, you know, a little opposite of what people thought he'd do. But 
you know, when we're, we're you're sitting there in the draft day, I think Veach is all about like doing something unexpected. So could you see him, you know, take a cornerback early? I wouldn't doubt it. It'd be kind of scary to see something like that. Uh, the kid from Oregon, if they, you know, snuck up and drafted him in the first round or something, then you got a situation where you got McDuffie, him, Sneed. You're starting to talk about a good secondary right there. You know, just just about building depth, though. That's kind of my big thing. I want the deepest units possible across the board. Right, and again, cornerback is like one of the most important positions to have depth at. So yeah, it, that is important. But again, I think line, I, I will not be focusing too hard on linebacker and cornerback as I evaluate this draft class because I do think the other positions are more important. And so as we talk about that, um, we're gonna we're gonna hit it to break or uh, send it to break right here. But on the other side, I'm I'm excited. Man. We're gonna talk some draft prospects, shout out some names, kind of break down some guys, and we will do that. Uh, as we talk to you on the other side. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we are back on the AP Draft Room podcast, having some fun, talking draft. Appreciate you guys listening. We're going to talk some names, some prospect names. You know, we've been talking kind of Chiefs offseason, what to think about it, you know, kind of the internal stuff. Let's go external, Caleb. Let's talk some of these draft prospects. And honestly, let's let's kind of go from a broad, uh, big picture perspective. Let's talk about just kind of the top of the class, some guys that, you know, probably aren't going to be in Chiefs uniforms because they are so good and they can't ever get top picks because they always win so much. Dang it, Chiefs. Um, but it, it, you know, I'm not going to talk about the quarterbacks because, and, and I'll make a promise to the people, we will not talk quarterbacks on this podcast. I'm sorry. We just won't like, I, if you want to talk quarterbacks, go to Rocky's podcast beach season, because we're not talking quarterbacks on this podcast. There is absolutely no reason to, we are going to talk about the other guys. And, and, and a few of those guys at the top are edge defender from Alabama, Will Anderson, um, defensive tackle from Georgia, Jalen Carter, two of the most you know, dominant defensive lineman in college football. And, and honestly, two of the better prospects I've ever, uh, you know, evaluated, honestly. I think Jalen Carter, especially, um, I, I think he has a great chance to go above Will Anderson. But then, you you know, you mentioned kind of the cornerbacks at the top of this class, too, like a guy like Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. You know, the Illinois' uh, Devon Witherspoon, you know, he was kind of a late guy to come out. Man, he looks like a stud. Um, he seems to be going early. You know, Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas Tech. I don't know. And anyone at the top of the class, you're just like, Okay, you know what? If the Chiefs just, you know, went crazy, went nuts, and just traded everything to go get this guy, I would be totally for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really like a uh, big Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. I think okay. he's a lead offensive tackle in the draft. A lot of people are being silly right now saying he's not gonna play tackle because he's like not very big, but if you look at the way these edges are getting quicker, you need guys that can kind of keep up with them. I'm not saying he's a complete carbon copy over Rashawn Slater, but I think he's going to be really good. You know, I watched him as an underclassman, his film. He's locking up Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. And if there was a time when people were saying David Ojabo might go in the top 10 also before his injury. So he handles speed well. He handles length and power well. He can do it all. 
um, you know, some other guys just kind of looking around the class. There's not really that loaded in any particular area. I like Lucas Van Ness from University of Iowa. I think he's kind of a tweener between an edge and a defensive tackle, but he's got this rare blend of power. He's got a lot of things he does well. Uh, big Darnell Washington from Georgia. He is a tight end, yeah. he is a big tight end. This tight end class is I think the tight end class is the strongest class. I've been kind of looking through some of these guys, right, pretty closely. And then you know uh, Quentin Johnson from TCU, big time wide receiver. If they wanted to go up and get a big time wide receiver, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it because mm-hmm. he's got he's got a lot of speed to his game. He's got a lot of that. You know he can go up and make contested catches high point the ball, you know, like, like you said, this isn't the most overall deepest draft class in the world, but obviously at the top end of that front round, you got like your physical specimens, you got like your blue chip guys who would, you know, you just feel like you can't miss. Yeah. So you talk about receiver a little bit. That's one thing where I feel like it's kind of an underwhelming class for that position, um, especially towards the top. But again, that kind of maybe benefits the chiefs where they're not picking, you know, towards the top, they are kind of picking in the sweet spot for receivers. Um, so I think that is one thing, but you know, yeah, I mean, you know, is there any players that stand out to you? You know, we talked about, you know, maybe going crazy and drafting and trading up for someone, which I like the Skaronsky pick, cause that would be a really nice way to kind of, you know, solidify the offensive line. Are, are there any guys here that are kind of just like, I don't really get the hype too much on them. Um, you know, I can start here cause I'll go with a couple of Clemson guys. I, I will say, uh, well, first of all, edge defender, Miles Murphy. I just feel like he is a very, plain Jane, just kind of solid player. It almost reminds me of Cleveland Farrell a little bit. I, I almost like Farrell more as a prospect. I, I, I remember that. Um, I think Murphy doesn't flash as, even as much as Farrell did. And I'm trying not to helmet scout there, but they're both Clemson defenders. But let me also throw out, I, you know, I know his 22 tape was 2022 tape was maybe affected by coming back from injury. And then also he did lose a family member. It was a, uh, uh, Brian Brise, the the Clemson defensive tackle, but Man, I just don't really get him. He's just kind of a weird fit in the NFL to me. Um, I he's 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 kind of this weird tweener between like an A gap and B gap defensive tackle, but I don't think he's he can stuff very well. But I also don't really see him. He, he has some quick hands. He he can do a few things, but I just feel like in the NFL, it's really not going to work. That kind of his pass rush stuff. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of out on both the Clemson top defensive linemen. Are there any guys up top that you're kind of just? You know, not not as excited as as the rest of the draft community is. Uh, I think maybe Paris Johnson from Ohio State, because there's times when he doesn't even look like the best offensive tackle on his own team, just in the film. I you know, Daywan Jones plays some good football too. I think though, just with him, it's kind of like he struggles against some power. I don't think it's necessarily you know, and I know this is one of his first years playing right tackle. I get that. I feel like he maybe should have stayed in school a little bit longer to develop a little more. I think he's gonna people are going to see him as like a plug and play day one guy. I almost see him more as like a project first rounder, like draft him and sit him. I just don't quite see some of that pop and physicality there with his hands, you know, and getting into it. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, the receiver from uh, Tennessee. I think he's explosive. I think he's fast, but there's sometimes I see him out there and I'm like, is he just going to be like kind of like McCole Hardman type things? Is I, I like Zay, I kind of like Zay Flowers over Jalen Hyatt, to be honest with you. I know obviously you got the SEC versus ACC here. You're talking about like your short, explosive guys. I think Zay Flowers runs a better route tree overall. I think Hyatt's just kind of getting some of that hype because Tennessee's offense was so incredible. Flowers played obviously for a much smaller school. You know, in Boston College, not really known for putting up a lot of points, throwing the rock around the field here and there. But, you know, if it came down to maybe the Chiefs taking one of those two guys because they feel they have to get that explosion upfield, I would go with I'd go with Zay Flowers. Dude, yeah, I, I kind of started sneak peeking into the receiver class and Zay Flowers is an intriguing prospect. And we, and we are going to talk about him a little more a little later. But actually, I'm, I'm going to get to this right now because um, because I do want to get to the mock drafts. And so let's. Let's go prospect of the week. This I'm gonna get started to have some sort of uh, some celebration music or something because this is this is gonna be a recurring segment. Prospect of the week, alarms going off, blaring right now, because what we're doing here on this on this recurring segment is we're gonna try to pick as many Chiefs draft picks as possible. Um, that is the point of naming the guys here. We're gonna keep track and see how many guys and who who names them. You know, kind of a competition. See who gets. I get more options, more choices. 
Uh, so I get the advantage, kind of like putting more, more tickets in the raffle. But uh, prospect of the week, I'm going to go first. My guy, it was my first draft crush of this cycle. And, and again, I talked about having maybe a three-down defensive tackle earlier. Keanu Benton, the Wisconsin defensive tackle, is someone that I am super excited about. Um, potentially as a day two pick. I don't really think day one would be what I want to do with it. But, you know, hey, if he's that good of a prospect, I get it. I just really like this guy's size as an A-gap defender. He's a huge dude, just a just a bear of a man. And he played in the Big Ten, obviously plugging a lot of, a lot of downhill run games, you know, plugging holes in it. But he moves very well for his size. And not only does he move well, he just he just uses his hands in a in a smart way. He's an effective pass rusher. He's a smart pass rusher. He he has plans. He he makes moves. He has counter moves. He can spin. He can loop. He's just a guy that I think <clears throat> with kind of has the the full package in terms of being a guy that you can trust to just eat up space in and you know in these light box NFL, you know, right? This light box NFL modern day where you know you need guys that you know they're going to spread you out you're only going to have six people in the box you need guys to eat a space in the middle i think he can do that but then you can also trust him when it is a four-man rush if chris jones going to get double teamed this guy's going to beat up a guard man he, you know he's he, he's he's got the hands he's got the uh, again the moves and he's just a big ass dude so i like keanu benton as, as as kind of my first prospect of the week caleb who did you bring for show and tell on, on this today's show I'm going to go with Will McDonald at the University of Iowa oh. State. I think he is an incredibly athletic edge rusher. He's got the kind of bend and flexibility to get around the arc that the Chiefs have been missing for quite a while. You know, they've got these power rushers. They haven't really had a guy that can, like, just get around, dip and rip around a tackle. I think McDonald brings that to the table. I think he's going to start to fly up boards as, you know, this whole thing progresses I think he'll be there at the end of the first round, you know, and it's hard. It gets harder to evaluate, you know, defensive ends and edges as time goes on. Cause all these teams play like these weird three, three, you know, three, three, five right. variations. They play all these stack defenses where you got head up defensive ends. I think if he gets in a system and is coached by like a guy like Spags, you're going to get to really see some of those physical gifts. Cause he's the kind of guy that he can, you know, put his shoulder to the ground and still be standing up. He's got that kind of flexibility He's got the long levers and he's got production too. You know, we're not just like, I'm not just out here saying all these traits you go put on his film. You know, he's around the ball a lot. He's making a lot of plays. So I'll go with him. I'll go with him. I've been studying his film a little bit here. I think he's going to be a dude. I honestly think the whole state of Iowa between Iowa and Iowa state, there are some really good prospects <laughs> out of both of these colleges. This is like maybe like the pinnacle of, I of football in the call in the or in the uh, Iowa colleges this year. <laughs> hey man, corn fed Midwestern. That's that's the Chiefs know that they love it and and they're they're gonna look there. So uh, that's a great choice now. And he is an electric edge rusher, someone that you know day two right, kind of maybe a day two. I know there is some buzz for maybe late day one for him, but I think that might be a little overblown. Um, but who knows? Depending on what he does at the combine, real quick. We're going to do a weekly would you rather. This is kind of off the cuff, but real quick, Caleb, would you rather the Chiefs address offense or defense with the first draft selection? I'm putting you on the spot. Offense or defense if you had to choose one? Uh, I'm going to go with defense here. Okay. I just really think it's important for them that they continue to build that defensive line. There is nothing more important in the National Football League right now, defensively speaking, than having guys that can get after the quarterback. You've got your secondary. You've got good linebackers. The only thing that has really hurt you in the past, if you're the Chiefs, this season, last season, whatever it may be, is your inability to get to the quarterback. And you got to get some athletic guys, kind of like a Will McDonald, kind of like a Lucas Van S, kind of guys who can run, who can do different things. Because you got to chase down. You know, we we talk about how these teams have to play when they go against Pat Mahomes. That's how the Chiefs have to play when they go against you know Herbert, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, all these different guys. They can run. They can do different things. They can extend plays because that's how quarterbacks are going in the NFL. You know, as we get more and more of these quarterbacks, you got to start addressing the defense at some point. I think that the Chiefs are in a position where they're so close to having one of these top ten defenses. Spags' system is there. They've drafted guys. They've got maybe the best defensive player in all of football. Add around Chris Jones. You do so much to add around Patrick Mahomes. Give Chris Jones some help up front. Really watch him shine because he's going to be getting the double teams. He's got triple teamed in the playoffs right. a couple of times. You're going to see those things pop up more and more frequently. 
you got to be able to keep him fresh. you got to be able to get some more guys that can get after the quarterback too. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm glad you said defense though. Cause I'm, I am going to say offense. I, I do think if I were them, if I, if I really wanted them to do one or the other, I think I'd like to see, to see them draft a receiver or an offensive tackle and to be offensive tackle with, with being a right tackle, I would say in mind, to be honest with you, but either way, either side, but even if they did want to take a swing on one of these tight ends, we kind of mentioned it a little bit, you know, Hey, I wouldn't hate it because I do think there is, there's this offensive evolution um, that, that, or, you know, there is, there's these cycles in NFL offenses, right? And I do think the next wave could be, and the Chiefs have already kind of, you know, set themselves up to do it. Heavy tight end sets, obviously, playing, you know, a lot from there. They're really good at that. Well, what if you stack that tight end position up with legitimate players, not just Noah Grays and Jody Fortson's? Don't get me wrong, good players, but I'm talking, you know, top prospects like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back in the day, uh, you know. That kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting, and and I think it'd be nice to add to the offensive firepower. But your defensive okay. point is correct. But Caleb, let's have some fun. Let's talk through some mock drafts. Some of the experts who they think are, the Chiefs will be taking. I do think this is a good exercise to go through because some of these are are important names in the draft industry that know what they're talking about, right? And I'm going to start first with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. You know, obviously, you know, former scout, one of the most plugged in, you know, guys who leads NFL Network's draft coverage before the Senior Bowl. He had us taking Brian Brze, the, the Clemson uh, uh, defensive tackle, which, again, I've already kind of said not a huge fan of. But after the Senior Bowl, this one's an interesting one we haven't talked about yet. Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith, kind of a speed rusher kind of guy, obviously did not finish this season with Georgia uh, because of injury. But, you know, a senior, um, someone that has been, you know, kind of a captain of that defense, someone that was on, you know, a big part of the national championship, uh, national championship team from a year ago. How would you feel about Nolan Smith being added to the Chiefs? Well, he there's your athletic bendy edge rusher. Right. I don't know, really. I mean, he would be pushing the boundary for even Spags at that point. As yeah. far as like, is this guy even going to be considered an off-ball linebacker? Is he an edge rusher truly just because of that body frame? He'd be like the smallest pass rusher along the edge I think Spags had ever had. But, I mean, if he's going to be willing to adjust some of his calls and, you know, adjust his game plan a little bit, you know, maybe give up a little more against the run, Smith is certainly an aggressive, physical, quick player. I think, you know, his mentality, he'd be a great addition to the defense. He'd be a guy that maybe you're looking to be a leader there here in a few seasons if they did go after him. I just don't know if I completely see the fit all the way. No, I'm with you. I I think that's true. I think he profiles definitely more as like a 3-4 outside linebacker than a 4-3 defensive end. Obviously, you make those guys work if you if you if they're on the team, he's going to be a good rusher for you. But um, yeah, that's that, that is an interesting fit. Todd McShay, obviously of ESPN, uh, you know, always plugged in. He had the Chiefs taking Maryland offensive tackle Jalen Duncan, someone I broke down for us on the AP film room. Um, go check that out on YouTube. But, you know, offensive tackle just in general. I mean, our, you know, I, I kind of said it'd be nice for them to address that. Duncan is kind of a project, though, so he may not be someone that uh, you maybe start right away, but how would you feel about that? I mean, I'm all for it. That feels maybe a little bit high to be drafting Duncan at. I always envisioned him more I think like I agree. 60 yeah. to 75 range. Just because when we were, we, we were looking at his film last night, he does some things really well. His run blocking, his reach blocking, his zones, how he blocked yeah, at Maryland feet. on the ground, his yeah. feet and the way he combines his hands and feet at the same time and run blocking – to really connect and put that power on people. It's impressive. Flip side and pass protection, he gets caught and he just doesn't really trust himself when he gets to the, you know, the arc, to the point in the arc where he's got to be able to sit there another step and just wait for the defensive end. He gives up some stuff to power. Definite project guy. I think he may be a little too high for a first-round pick. Yeah, I think he is more of a project. But, again, someone that you – again, you, you you see those feet and you're kind of like, man, I could work with this and maybe in a few years if we really get him, you know, strong. I think one thing is he just needs to be stronger. He's not the strongest offensive tackle either. His hands need to be stronger. Um, so that it's an interesting one, though. Uh, Mike Renner of PFF uh, had us taking Luke Musgrave, Oregon State tight end. I have not gotten too much into the tight end class. I, I know this guy's a hot name. Do you have any takes on Luke Musgrave? I like him, but I like other tight ends a little bit more than him. I watch him. He gets open a lot. He makes a lot of great contested catches. I think there's some other guys that are a little better in yak situations, but he is like 6'6". He's about 250. And when, you know, he's built like a certain individual, 
when teams are drafting tight ends from now till the end of time, they're going to draft guys that look a lot like Travis Kelsey. He doesn't necessarily play a lot like Travis Kelsey, but he's got that build where some team could go, you know, we can turn him into it. I like a guy like Sam Laporte a little bit more. I think he's got a little more juice in the yak game, but he'd be like a third round pick. I think, I don't think he'd be a first rounder from, from Iowa. Correct. From Iowa. I'm, I'm really high on the Iowa crew this year. There's a lot of guys <laughs> from Iowa and Iowa state. Yeah, no, I, I've seen Musgrave, though, as some people's favorite tight end in this class. Uh, you know, so I, I know he is he is a hot name. Um, I, I definitely need to get in the tight end class more. But no, he's a pretty good athlete, too, uh, from what I have gathered. But I want to say the – go ahead. He just needs a little more lead in his pencil. Yeah. he. I well, think he gets pushed around a little bit sometimes. Well, that's important, especially, you know, I think the Chiefs do need, if they want to draft a tight end, he definitely needs to be someone that can – hold their own in the blocking game obviously if they're going to be a tight end two with kelsey i'm going to go with the next two together because again we kind of talked receiver kind of teased it a little bit dane brugler who's probably one of the best uh draft coverage people if you're if you're following the draft make sure you're listening to him on the athletic he had the chiefs taking ohio state wide receiver jackson smith and jigba and that was before the senior bowl and then i'm going to include mel kuyper jr's pick from espn he had them taking boston college's wide receiver zay flowers who teased a little bit between the two, who would you like for them to take more? Um, I'll let you answer first, and, and then I'll and then I'll come in because I I know who I'd like more. Interesting man, JSN. He brings kind of that lanky, you know, tall receiver that they've never had. That I said I wish they want. And what do I do? I start talking about a five nine guy who's really explosive, <laughs> but he can run really good routes. I feel like I don't know, man. I think it really depends on what they feel about Sky Moore and what they decide to do with Juju. That's kind of my big thing there. I'll, I'll go ahead and go with JSN on this one. I already kind of talked about Zay Flowers a little bit, but just for the you know the sake of mixing things up a little bit, he's a little taller. They've never really had a guy like him in the Mahomes era so far. That's kind of a fluid receiver, but also kind of a contested catch guy. Can do a lot of different things. So I'll go with him out of the Ohio State. The Ohio State. Yeah, no, you're right. He He's in this class. There's a lot of speed at receiver. There's not a lot of size necessarily besides like a Quentin Johnson. You know, they are missing that. And, and this guy kind of has a little bit of, you know, both. Right. He, he has good size, obviously, pretty good length, um, but also kind of he, he is very smooth, very elusive, you know, uh, for, for, for that kind of size. Honestly, I, I don't know if it's just the three name that that's making me feel like this, but I do think he's just a little more of a juiced up, maybe a little more souped up Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he has a little more yak to him than Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's just a bigger, you know, target, you know, maybe more of a Michael Thomas. Maybe I think Michael Thomas could be a good comparison, um, you know, maybe just for the route running, the elusiveness, but maybe not that that that, you know, yak ability because Juju does have a little more yak ability, maybe. Um, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba benefited a lot, you know, in terms of yak from being at Ohio State, but man, I. I am very intrigued by Zay Flowers, man. I, 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 you watch a little bit of him, and I can't help but think of AB Antonio Brown. Um, just, w- just with the way he's, I feel like he's just he's he's good at every level of the field. He's a very good deep ball guy, but he's also a guy that you can throw to right away, and he can make plays after the catch. He's also an intermediate route guy. He's he's very smooth route running. Um, just seems like he's an instinctual player, especially with you know after the catch, you know, or like at the catch point. Man, I'm I'm very intrigued by a guy like Zay Flowers, and I get why he's getting first round buzz at, at his size. But and I think, I think at the combine though, he is going to have to have a good combine to really solidify that first round because at that size, you need to be very fast. And it's kind of where like the AB comparison comes in. I don't know how fast he is straight line, but he just seems to kind of just be fast and quick enough. It's almost like Mahomes in that sense too, where like Mahomes is just fast enough. I think Zay Flowers has a little bit of that in him. I haven't watched too much of him. I'm kind of getting too excited about him without watching so much of him. But uh, he is a guy I'm intrigued about. Um, I don't know any more Zay Flowers love, or, or should we move on to the next one? You can move on. I think we all hit. It. I think we hit it. So Bucky Brooks of the NFL.com had the Chiefs taking. This is the only safety of this group that we're going to be talking about. Safety uh, from Texas A&M. He is more of a slot cornerback, uh, but he did. He, I mean, he was a safety for them. He was playing over the top at times. Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Uh, do you have any takes on Antonio Johnson? Because I did look at him a little bit, and uh, I, I did kind of come away with some stuff. I have not had a ton of time to take a look at his game, but you do mention, you know, he can play in the slot at some times. If they did go out and draft a guy like him, that would really kind of make me question, well, what is the plan going to be for Legereus Sneed moving forward? Right. That would kind of maybe be like something that would maybe, you know, tip the cap 
something like that. But I haven't really, I haven't had a ton of time to watch the safeties yet. I've been kind of all in on the O line, D line, and some wide receivers here and there so far. Yeah, well, I was underwhelmed with Johnson. I will say I, he's a, he's a he's a intriguing build. He's long. He he does have a a big kind of build to him, and he he does move smooth. He, he's a he he can flip his hips, you know, in coverage and all that. But man, I don't know. He just he just doesn't he doesn't come up and hit very well. Um, in my opinion, um, it just seemed like he was kind of passive around you know the ball, which you don't want from from safeties, right? The exact opposite of Legarius Sneed, you know, someone in the slot that's that's going to be a plus in the run defense. I don't think he was necessarily a plus around the box, and that's what you kind of need. So I, I don't know how much I'm, I'm a fan of Antonio Johnson, but I got to look at him a little more. But you mentioned Jalen Hyatt before the Tennessee wide receiver. Uh, Danny Kelly of the Ringer had the Chiefs taking him in his mock draft. So I, I'm with you with a lot of the stuff you said about Hyatt. Um, would you like him in the Chiefs offense, or is, 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 there, something, is there something to kind of his being one-dimensional that may just kind of be redundant in what the Chiefs already have? Well, will Andy Reid be able to help himself if he's still on the board there? Because that's that'd be dude, that'd be jet sweep guy immediately, even if he couldn't run the routes. But I mean, obviously, just with the Chiefs, they like having that speed aspect. I just I don't know. He makes a lot of good plays on the deep balls he goes down. It's just I feel like we've been scorned before we've been scorned before by, you know, the uh, you know, just by the straight speed guys. A couple mm-hmm. of times here and there, even though, you know, McColl didn't really ever turn into what a lot of us thought he would end up being. I mean, I think just the way this offense is kind of being built, this may be, you know, they're kind of going in a little bit of a different direction than just that straight line speed. And like you said earlier, they kind of got Kadarius Tony, who they like to kind of fill the, some of the McColl Hardman role. It'd be interesting to see, though, what they do think about him. I, I just I don't really think that's a pick to be up their alley on the first round, at least. Yeah, he yeah, he's he's Will Fuller um pretty much and and that's not a bad that's not a bad thing but you know that one dimensionality I do think you know it's tough to to sell on the first round especially when I do think you know MVS has that role and I'm not saying you can't draft someone and and you know it, it's not just for next year right but I do think you know when you're talking about what the Chiefs kind of need at receiver I do think kind of having just like a straight speed guy that can that can you know burn cuz that's all I did at Tennessee I mean I'm sorry but like he, he got open in the offense. It was a very well-schemed-up offense, and, and he was getting open. But it was all vertical for the most part. Um, you know, a lot of separation created just by scheme. But, you know, he is very fast and, and creates separation himself, too. I just feel like that's something maybe you can, you can find without spending a first-round pick on it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that one-dimensionality might be tough for him. I'm going to go uh, these last two, the Draft Networks. Uh, the Draft Networks is a great resource, honestly. I, I think they have great writers. And, and, and two of my favorites, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, they have a, a, a great draft podcast. Kyle Krabs had this, them taking Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones, which I know you have some info on and, and can definitely give us a little breakdown on. But I'll give you a little thing on Derek Hall real quick, the Auburn edge. You know, I, I did look at, it, I look at him a little bit. I do think he's got the size, even though he did kind of play as a stand-up jack linebacker in college. Um, just because that's such a, you know, a, 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 we talked about those those tight fronts. I mean, it's such a popular position now to kind of have that pass rusher play at that two-point stance and be more of an outside linebacker, kind of like the Nolan Smith. But Derek Hall is the size maybe to be more of, you know, maybe not be that stand-up linebacker at the, at the next level. Definitely has a pass rush plan. Definitely has some intriguing, you know, traits to him. So I'm kind of curious to see how he weighs in, measures in. It's kind of hard to tell exactly how big he is. Um, but I definitely think Derek Hall is an intriguing guy that that maybe fit the bill as a as a first round edge uh, defender at the bottom of the draft. He is yoked. Yeah, he exactly. So I yoked. that's what. Yeah, I can't tell how. Yeah, no, exactly. He's like Mr. Olympia. He's got some serious explosion. I'm not necessarily. I don't think his arms are all that long, or he may lack in the length a little bit. But he's got some real serious explosion. He's not just one of these like, you know, he's a little smaller to be playing edge in the NFL. But he's got some serious get off now. When you watch him, he gets got some serious firepower when he gets to the ball. Now, I yeah. like him. A lot. I kind of like it. I kind of like him a little bit. Yeah, I think Derek Hall would be a good would be a good pick. Anyone in the defensive line, like we talked about, you know, adding to that position would be good um, early in the draft. Which, again, is always important. That position, you know, you don't find stars as, as much later in the draft as, as other positions. But that was all the mock drafts, and that was all we have for the AP Draft Room podcast tonight. Um, it was a great time breaking down prospects with you, Caleb. I, I hope the people had a good time doing it. Um, yeah, make sure you uh, just just plug what you got going for the site, um, what you got coming up. I mean, we, I know we're going to be looking at the Combine next week. Are you excited about the Combine? What do you got going on? I'm, I'm more mixed on the Combine. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the NFL is selling tickets to go watch people work out. I mean, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I'll watch it on TV. I'll check all the right. numbers and everything. We'll see what goes on. Uh, but, you know, you can check me out on Twitter. It's down on the screen. Or if you're listening to it, you know, at CJ Scoobs. And then, uh, you know, I, I wrote in a piece this week about what I think the Chiefs should do as far as their offensive tackle. You can go check that out. And then, you know, I'll just be posting quite a bit of film to Twitter, be t- putting a lot of stuff up. I'm going to be starting some articles up here at some point where I talk about the uh, hidden gems. I think with this draft class being kind of wide open, you're going to see more of an influx of players from, you know, like FCS schools, D2 schools, schools that you don't normally think of, you know, that are outside of the power five. There's going to be a lot of really underrated guys, you know, from these HBCUs. Also, I've already kind of been taking a look at some of them. It's, you know, even the Ivy League this year, they got a couple guys here and there. It's an interesting draft class, so I want to really, you know, highlight some of those guys that we're not maybe all thinking of. And the Chiefs have really taken advantage of some of these guys in the past, you know, Josh Williams, Tershawn Wharton, just to name a few guys oh, who yeah. are from smaller schools, but the Chiefs are just plugging and playing them right away as rookies. But, yeah, check all that out. And I'm, of course, going to be around doing some great draft coverage with all these guys over here. Yes, sir. With us on the YouTube page, uh, AP Film, we'll be doing that all draft draft process. Make sure you watch that. But uh, yeah, and speaking of that, James Houston the fourth. We can't we can't let him slip through again, Chiefs. You know, you, you brought him in last year. He had eight sacks or whatever, and like like nothing for the Lions last year. That was insane. So HBCU prospect Isaiah Land, maybe someone you might be looking at from Florida A and M. So if he's intriguing, Chiefs, you bring him in. Make sure you keep them in the building, you know. Make sure you keep them in the building. But uh, now that is it for what we what we got tonight. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we will catch you on the next show next Friday. I'll have a new guest, a new co-host to kind of break down the draft with me in another perspective. But for Caleb, I'm Ron. Appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time.